0: You are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked on Longhorns Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. You can follow the Twitter for our show, Locked on Horns. Big show to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to recap Texas Tech, Texas last night. Thriller game ended in not so great fashion for the Texas Longhorns at the Frank Irwin Center. Get into all that. Get into more news. Sarkeesian making changes on his staff. Kyle Flood, the offense coordinator, offensive line coach, was expected to be in Austin Thursday morning to get ready to start working on his team and finishing out recruiting, getting ready for the next season. We're going to get into all that. Let's start off with the basketball game. Well, as far as the basketball game is concerned last night, the Texas Longhorns got off to a fast start. You know, they fell down real early, 2-1, to one, uh, and then it was all Texas in the first half. Andrew Jones absolutely took over that game. The The three-headed monster was shooting the three very well. They were doing a good job of uh, driving kick, penetrating the paint, kick out, open threes. And then the second half began. But we're going to get into that in just a moment. But the one big key that they had was it felt like they were very aggressive in the first half. Not so much in the second half. And if you look at the stats, total rebounds. Texas had the advantage, plus four. Offensive rebounds, plus four. Assists, plus two. Blocks, plus one. Steals, minus two. Turnovers. Texas turned the ball over eight more times than Texas Tech. They allowed Texas Tech to hang around in this game. And that in lies the problem. A couple of the big problems that happened last night. While Texas shot 42.6%, just a little bit better than Texas Tech. The problem was the second half, where they were outscored by 12 points, where they scored only 29 points after putting up 48 in the first half. So, you know, they weren't... Shooting at the same clip. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with turnovers. It had to do with the fact that Texas wasn't pushing it uh, like they were in in the first half. You no, know, that, that was, I think, a huge problem. Points off turnovers. They weren't getting them. Texas Tech was. Texas Tech shot 78.6% from the free throw line. Texas shot 58.1%. Big problem is they were putting Jericho Sims on the line... And Sims wouldn't hit his free throw at a a consistent enough clip. They missed 13 free throws in that game. Tech missed six. That's 13 points off the board and you lose by two. There's your problem. Uh, You know, so... and, And it's not to say that Texas is terrible. It's just the effort in the second half was bad. You could put that on, you know, some of the turnovers that they had, the, one of the 15, you know, one of the, the big turnovers in this game had to be near the end of the second half. Texas was up too and, and allowed Texas Tech to tie the game when, when Courtney Ramey made a, a wrong decision and allowed the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders to get that easy bucket with a steal right after a score uh, to get another score. So real quick, four points and then they're tied the ball game and then we saw the shot by Mac McClung at the end of the first half or second half that essentially won the game. They had 3 seconds to have a miracle shot. That was taken by Matt Coleman. You know, the thing that stuck out the most though. I mean, we could talk about the missed free throws, you could talk about the rebounding, the turnovers. The most dynamic player in the first half by far was Andrew Jones. He was hitting big shots, he was scoring, he he was leading both teams in scoring. He had 18 points at the half. He scored just 2 points in the second half. He's arguably your best player. I mean, you can make an argument for for Ramey for what he does all around. Matt Coleman, his leadership. I mean, they have a three-headed monster at guard. But the best player in my mind is Andrew Jones. And the fact that he wasn't as effective in the second half as he was the first is part of the reason why I think the Texas lost this game. And the fact that they scored under thirty points after putting up a season high forty eight points in the first half. gets a very good defense in Texas Tech. That became a problem. You know another big problem that Texas had in this game is they've always had, or in recent weeks anyway, They've gotten a lot of production off their bench. The bench provided all of four points last night uh in in the game against Texas Tech. Kai Jones played 14 minutes and had three points, two rebounds. Royce Ham had one point, one rebound in 5 minutes. Donovan Williams provided 5 minutes, no points. Brock Cunningham provided five rebounds and you know, he provides hustle plays, he didn't score uh 17 minutes. So Texas was not getting any help from their bench in this game. They were going to have to do it all with the starters. In a game that Greg Brown wasn't doing the best scoring, he did lead the team with nine rebounds. Uh, Jericho Sims had his arguably his best game. If you take away what transpired at the free throw line, sixteen points, five rebounds. Matt Coleman was thirteen and six as far as points, rebounds, three assists. Andrew Jones twenty and three. And then the junkyard dog Courtney Ramey, fifteen four and four. Those are your, those were your primary players in this game, and, and you got nothing off the bench when Kai Jones, when Brock Cunningham have been so monumental for this team. It goes to show you that you need, you don't need one player to stand out. You need a culmination. Uh, and, and when you look at, you know, Texas Tech was very similar. Jamarius Burton only gave him four points in nineteen minutes. Tyreek Smith gave him nothing in nine minutes. Same goes for Avery Benson. Clarence Ndonnelly. It was all Mac McClung, Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon Jr., and then Marco Santos Silva added 12 points, four rebounds. And Micah PV in 20 minutes had four points and two rebounds. There's your game right there. That was the difference between Texas Tech winning this game and Texas. The starters put up more points than Texas did. Texas didn't get any help off the bench. There was issues with hitting your free throws. There were issues with turnovers, not getting points off turnovers. A lot there. Uh, just some things that they need to clean up. They're 4-1 and one in Big 12 plays, so it's not bad. It's not all bad. But we got to talk about the losses just the same way as we talk about the wins. All right, but are you ready for some more basketball talk, some NFL playoff talk? There's only one place that has you covered, and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 50% welcome bonus. Got you set up for the NFL games this weekend. All four playoff matchups. All the top games in college basketball plus NBA and more. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus. With your first deposit, Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to the Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, NFL football playoffs, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, now it's time to get into a little football talk on the Forty Acres. Recently, former Alabama quarterback Greg McElroy was on College Football Live. He was talking about Steve Sarkeesian. And this is what he said Sark needs to continue being the quarterback guru. Two Attack of Iloa and Mac Jones both had incredible seasons by Sarkeesian's measure. And in large part due because he creates so many problems for defenses with matchups, pre snap movements, and pre snap motions. Also, he also makes it remarkably easy for quarterbacks. He needs to go out and sign a remarkably well-respected recruit in the 2022 class. That sounds an awful lot like he's saying, go big game hunting. McElroy continued, that recruit might play at Southlake Carroll and his name might be Quinn Ewers. He was committed to Texas before switching and committing to Ohio State. Besides with Texas is going to send a signal that there's a new sheriff in town in Austin, and that's a destination for offense talent to flock to. he wants to make that move, it legitimately has a chance to send shockwaves to the rest of the college football world. I kind of think they already started sending shockwaves. The Armani Winfield commitment was a little bit of a surprise because many felt that he was going to go to Ohio State with top Austin talent Caleb Burton, Quinn Ewers. I mean, if you looked at the recruiting class rankings for Ohio State in 2022, I think they were already top three. And they only had a handful of commitments, led by Quinn Ewers. Now, I do agree that McElroy needs to go big game hunting. I'm I'm not ready to say it has to be Quinn Ewers, but I do think he needs a top quarterback in the 2022 class. Another name that's out there is Gunnar Stockton, the number one dual threat in the country according to 24-7 composite rankings. He originally was committed to play at South Carolina. Well, unless Champ got fired, he's no longer there. They have a new coach, Shane Beamer, and he is decommitted. Many believe it's to go to Auburn and play in the offense under Mike Bobo. I still think Texas needs to make a run at that. So how do they do that? Well, the news that came out this morning, according to Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and Fox Sports, the Texas Longhorns have hired Jeff Banks from Alabama to be, believe they're he's gonna have a similar role, tight end coach, special teams coordinator. And oh, by the way, he's one of their best recruiters. Do I think this hurts Alabama? No, because as long as they're winning national championships and they have Nick Saban, they're gonna recruit. They're gonna recruit wherever they want to go. Players are gonna want to play for. Them. What this does is this helps Texas. Because if you look at who they brought in. Jeff Banks. He is credited with players like Kamar Wheaton. Jalen Milroe If you look at his recruits that he's brought. Who's either committed or signed it at Alabama. There's a lot of them from the state of Texas. A vast majority of them. He has a Texas pipeline. And that's what was such a smart move by Sark it's not just hurting Alabama and taking you know, taking people from that staff, in which in large part, Sark, most of Sark's staff is from Alabama, or at least the ones we know about Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks A.J. Mil- Milwee, the quarterback coach so offensively they're all Alabama guys, Or they were analysts or on the staff there but Sark's ties are West Coast we all know that. He he is not afraid to go out to the West Coast. He went out and got Bryce Young, West Coast guy. He's looking at more West Coast guys. But Jeff Banks was huge because he's really been a closer for Alabama and the fact that they need to secure Texas talent. That is one thing that Sark talked a lot about in his press conference, keeping the best talent at home. And that's something that Jeff Banks is going to do. That's why it was such a smart hire for Steve Sarkeesian. You know, Sark, he also brought in another former Alabama assistant, but also was assistant at Texas in Bo Davis, who was a top recruiter. Now, did he get into some issues with recruiting? Yes. Uh, but that was in the past. And let's, you know, clean slate. But Bo Davis is another guy who's going to recruit very well. Also, he's going to develop your defensive line to do what they haven't done in years. And that's provide consistent pressure from the defensive line. Provide guys double-digit sack years. Texas hasn't had any since he left. So that's going to be huge. And it's huge for Texas. And I think it's it's a monster hire, personally. Because it's going to help recruiting. It's going to help your production. That's the thing. It, It starts putting together the staff to make sure that he has an edge in recruiting. Because... That's how Texas is going to get back in the limelight. That's how Texas is going to get back towards competing for the Big 12 against Oklahoma. They've got to find a way to, A, keep their best talent at home. Are they going to win every recruit? No. I mean, sometimes Oklahoma's going to come in here and steal a guy or two or or a handful of guys. I mean, you still have to compete with A&M, who had a really good year this year. You know, so... They're still going to have those fights. Alabama's still going to try and come in here. Ohio State's still going to try and come in here. Uh, so that that's the deal. The, they needed to win recruiting. But back to my point about Quinn Ewers. Just because he's committed to Ohio State and decommitted from Texas doesn't mean that Sark shouldn't. Sark has a relationship with him. There's no doubt about it. But I think that is the type of move that Sark needs to go and get. He needs to at least make a run at it. He needs that top quarterback prospect. If he wants to keep the best talent at home, that's the guy you go to. Because that guy can send shockwaves. Through the state of Texas, throughout the country. Because if they can get him back in the fold of Texas, that's only going to enhance everything the Sarkeesian is doing from a recruiting front. The offense on the field will speak for itself. And we saw the offense on full display. And let's just stop the conversation that everybody wants to keep saying. He doesn't have Alabama talent. Texas is talented. They are talented. They didn't get the most out of their talent. Under Tom Herman, they did less with more. But now, Sarkeesian's coming in. People are getting excited. Fans are getting excited. And what's the argument? Oh, well, he doesn't have Alabama players. So which is it? It goes back to my conversation I had earlier this week. Why are we moving the goalposts? Let's stop that. Clean slate. And I know everybody wants to bring up his past. And it was a bad hire. All these things. It's a clean slate. Let's see what he's got. Let's give this guy some time. Let's do the one thing and it doesn't seem that they do at the University of Texas. Let's give these guys some time. Let him get his staff together. Let him finish out his 2021 class. And we'll start looking at 2022 guys. It already started with Armani Winfield. All right, let's take a minute to talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, all the different models, all the different styles, LX, EX, why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, chooses the brand his warehouse, happens to carry, you have computers with access To rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics, do it yourselfers Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. They offer the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everyone and does not require membership or an account login. So make sure you go to rockauto.com. Catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to RockAuto.com now and see all the parts available for your car, or truck. Right, locked on. On the how did you hear about us box, so they know you sent it, that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Head on over to RockAuto.com. All right, before we get into our conversation with AJ Spur, Roll Tide Wire, just want to remind you to be checking out the Locked On Big 12 podcast with Joshua Neighbors, Monday through Friday each day. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. All right, so AJ, thanks for hopping on the show. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, kind of want to talk to you about this movement I'm calling University of Alabama at Austin. Steve Sarkeesian, now the head coach. Kyle Flood, the offense coordinator, offensive line coach. Jeff Banks now coming in, special teams, probably tight ends. I'm assuming similar role that he did at Alabama with a substantial raise. Uh, and, and then, obviously, the thought on Pete Golding. So let's start at the top. Let's talk about Jeff Banks. It's the hot story right now. The idea that Jeff Banks is not a good recruiter, I've seen some people talk about it, because... He's a good recruiter because he has Alabama on his chest. He has the Big A, and, and obviously, I don't think Jeff Bank's leaving is going to hurt Alabama to a point where they're going to lose out on recruits that they couldn't normally get. I think it hurts in Texas mostly, uh. You know, in and the reason why I say that is I don't think for I don't think Alabama's going to have trouble coming into Texas and taking talent because obviously it's Alabama. But Steve Sarkeesian has said, we need to keep our top talent at home. And I think that's why he targeted Jeff Banks. I mean, we'd heard multiple conversations. He was coming. He wasn't coming. Now he is coming. Uh, kind of what was your thought on on what that impact's going to be on the Texas side as far as recruiting in the state?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, as far as Alabama concerned and, and their ability to recruit out of state, and especially in Texas, yep. there's there's one stat that I think rises above all else. And that's that. Every single recruiting class that Nick Saban has had has won a national championship. So I think that alone, right there, is going to be enough. Right, you know, to keep right. The I squad. don't.
0: I don't. <laughs> I. It would sound very Homerish if I was to say that he's going to have trouble coming into Texas. I think more that I think it's more that you have a guy who's done well in Texas recruiting wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, specifically in the Southern areas. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that's kind of where maybe where Texas hasn't done as well in recent classes, you know, they, they've gotten a few guys, but it seems like people are passing them up to go elsewhere, much like a uh, Brockermeyer, Mm -hmm. you know, legacy guys.
1: Now I will say this. If Sark, you know, wants to keep the talent at home and wants to recruit heavy in Texas, he got the best, the best guy possible in Banks. 100%, 100% we were talking about that before we before we got started. He was at A&M Banks and he was recruiting like crazy in state. Even at Alabama and sure it helps to have the uh, the A on your chest, but he still knows the places to go, he knows the people to talk to. I think if anything for him being at UT is going to be even easier for him to recruit. I don't I, maybe this is me looking from the outside in. But personally, I could see it being easier to recruit in-state for Texas rather than Texas A&M. And if he got the job done at A&M, 100% he can get it done at, at Texas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of back and forth between Texas A&M, Texas. There, that rivalry is still rampant as far as recruiting-wise. But, you know, when I looked at it, it seemed like a, it was a huge deal to get Banks. Um, you know, he was kind of – when I heard Sarkeesian was being hired, he was the guy I circled. I said, that's the guy they need. Uh, obviously, Kyle Flood, uh, going from Herb Hand. Uh, I'm going to be real honest. I expected when Herb Hand was here that they were negatively recruiting him, uh, much in the way that they did at Auburn, you know, getting guys to, to choose them over them. What does Kyle Flood bring to Texas, and is how much is the offensive line going to improve at Texas? Because that's been a big focal point.
1: I, first off, I think it's going to improve greatly. What Kyle Flood did in his two seasons with Alabama, all right, you look at Landon Dickerson, you look at Leatherwood, you look at Jedrick Wills. I mean, right there, there's three first-round picks, you know, in two different NFL drafts. So I think his coaching abilities should not be questioned at all. As far as his ability to recruit, his connection with the head coach is he was with Sark when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. He came with Sark to Alabama. I mean, when Sark got hired at Texas, it was almost a guarantee that it was like a package deal. The two of them were going together over to Texas. So I think it's not a matter of promising playing time because you can't say, look, I got in with the head coach. Me and this guy have been tight for a while now. But he can better explain the process that that the program is going to be going through in the early years. He can explain what the end goal is and how they plan on achieving it. And I think that more than anything else, especially with offensive line, because how else are you going to utilize them except for, you know, plugging them into the game? It's not a skill position player when you can sit here and say, well, we plan on using you in these packages and X, Y, and Z. So I think being able to sit down and talk with offensive linemen is something that Flood's going to be able to do. And I think he's going to be able to do well and not only coach great at Texas, but recruit even better.
0: Yeah, and I think and some of the guys, some of the top offensive linemen obviously come from the Houston area. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy that in particular, Cam Newberry. And I think that's where Jeff Banks and him kind of tie in together because Jeff knows the area. He's like, oh, I can go in this area. I can go to Al Salida High School and get this guy. you know. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Sam Cosme came from that same high school where uh, he's going to be likely a first-round pick this year. Uh, but, you know, I think that's – those kind of go hand in hand. So let's talk about real quick before I let you go. Uh, Pete Golding uh, has been a name that's been tied and kind of reports are that he's the front runner right now. Uh, If he was to leave Alabama and come to Texas, Mm -hmm. what should fans expect and should they be excited about this type of hire? This is
1: definitely an interesting hire. And if, if it gets done and I will be honest, if it does get done, I think there will be a large portion of the Alabama fan base that breathes a sigh of relief. There is a lot of Crimson Tide fans that do not like Pete Golding. And I can see a couple of reasons why personally, but when you look at Alabama and the historically strong defense that, you know, they've put on the field, Pete Golding's two years as defensive coordinator with Alabama has not been the most impressive last year in his first year, there were something like five true freshmen starting on defense was not the best year defensively. A lot of people credit that as to why Alabama did not even make the playoff in uh, 2019, this past season improvement straight out the gate. But then that Ole Miss game happened where they let up, you know, Lord knows how many points. And a lot of people have been questioning Golding's job at Alabama all season long. So if he were to go to Texas, My thing is, okay, now he has two years of defensive coordinator experience under his belt. In one of the toughest conferences there is, maybe he takes a different approach at Texas. I didn't even know him and Sark were as close as, you know, this, where Sark could be recruiting him over to Texas. So I could see how this would be a smart hire for Sark. The SEC, Big 12, completely different. All right, so maybe he can work better in texas than he can in alabama i'm not sure what i do know is that alabama fans will be a little wishy-washy on it it would either be a sad goodbye for some but a welcomed goodbye for most
0: and do you attribute any of his uh issues to the progression of offense in the sec because we've known what the style was it was very smash mouth but, you know, even LSU has talked about getting younger, going to the spread. Do you attribute any of that to the issues that Golding had alongside, you know, playing five true freshmen?
1: Well, you know, the freshman thing, I, I really think it's its an excuse that can be used. I mean, it's a its a viable excuse to understand that there's, you know, five young kids, 18, 19 years old on your field. But when it comes to the offense and Saban, Saban, you know, defensive guru, he might as well call the plays himself. He's even admitted now. The SEC is, you know, shifting to an offensive-heavy conference. Yes and no. I think we've been heading in this direction for a few years now. I don't think this is something that's been sprung on Pete Golding. You know, I think this was before his time. And he's been at Alabama. That was an internal hire. So I think he could have seen this coming. I think if if we want to look toward how offensive the SEC is now, we can't use that as an excuse for his, you know, lack of defensive coaching really is, is what a lot of it is. And it's especially in the passing game, he has a hard time uh, with coverage. But nonetheless, I think Pete Golding is more than capable of being a good defensive coordinator. Like I said, at Texas, it might be very different than how it looks at Alabama, two completely different conferences, two completely different styles to play.
0: All right, well, AJ, I definitely appreciate you hopping on the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Help me out here. Uh, make sure you check out AJ's work at rolltidewire.usatoday.com. AJ, thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Once again, want to thank AJ Spur from Roll Tide Wire from hopping on to help us answer some questions about these new staffers and potential new staffers that could be coming to the University of Texas. But that's that's it for me. I'm Patrick. I'll see you tomorrow. Hook them.